Good evening. Our reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and verses 28 to 36. That's Luke, chapter 9, beginning at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus and spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, sorry, as the men were leading Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Thank you, Sue, very much. Do keep that open. And uh, let me tell you about a birthday present I had just a few years ago. I'm sure you'll be interested. Um, uh, Our son, Chris, gave me a... um, uh, The present was a gift of a Lord's Cricket Ground tour, kind of behind-the-scenes tour. So uh, we went to the long room, the England changing room. I've, I've stood on the England balcony. It's surprisingly small. And uh, we saw the ashes, the real ashes urn and, uh, and so on. All sorts of behind the scenes kind of things. It was really good. And this evening we're getting a, a similar, well, not, no, that is not at all like Lords really. It's, uh, um, uh, we're getting a, a behind the scenes tour about Jesus. We're going to see what he's really like. We're going to see uh, the, the reality of Jesus Christ. So let's pray right now and ask the Lord to help us with this. Father, this is the most extraordinary passage. Uh, it is, it, uh, it, I'm sure it should be filling us with wonder. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us with clarity and with power. Please speak to our minds. Please speak to our hearts. And fill our hearts and our minds and our every aspect of our being with love and amazement and awe, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we're thinking of uh, Jesus, the reality this evening. And uh, so it's Mark 9, chapter 9 and verse, not Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 9 and verses 28 to 36. Uh, this is commonly called the transfiguration. That's where Jesus looked very different to what he normally looked like. And about a week before, uh, he said, verse 27, Truly I tell you, 
Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And there's been quite a big debate over the years as to what that actually means, what Jesus meant by that. Um, Most people, I think most people are are right, uh, I'll say that the transfiguration, he's he's looking ahead to the transfiguration where Peter and James and John went up a mountain, probably Mount Hermon, 9,000 feet. It's a big old mountain uh, in order uh, to pray with Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and so Jesus is saying, um, this, what we're going to see tonight, is the kingdom of God. It's showing the rule of God. And, and then it says in verse 28, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Chosen by Jesus, Peter, James, and John, chosen by Jesus to be with him. Um, they were chosen, those three were chosen to be with him at other times. Uh, back in Luke chapter 8, they'd been with him when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Uh, they're going to be with him in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he dies. And here they are, there's the four of them, Peter, James, John, and Jesus there. And then verse 29 happens. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. It's as if Jesus is saying to him, look, last week you understood for the first time who I am. So you look back to verse 20 there. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. And now Jesus is saying, well, uh, uh, let me show you what this really is like. Here's the confirmation. Here's the confirmation. You know, do you remember flying in an airplane? And, uh, um, well, you know, back in those days, maybe you bought a holiday and uh, then uh, and you got the confirmation. And you thought, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's looking good kind of thing. And then, and then you turn up at the airport and you check in and they've got your name and that's good. But somehow it's not until you get on the plane that takes off, you think... Well, we really are going on holiday. And, uh, uh, and here, um, this is kind of like the takeoff, if you like. This is where it all becomes a reality. This is where you see and you believe that this really is, he really is the Messiah. This is the one that we're really, really looking at here. And the first thing to say, and we're going to spend the most time on this, uh, is that Jesus is glorious. Look at verse 29, first of all. Um, The appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Or literally, it says Jesus glistened. Jesus glistened. Um, uh, If you you were to go skiing late in the season, what happens during the day? The sun's quite hot. The snow begins to melt, especially on the surface. And then at night time, it gets really cold and it freezes. And then if you're there first thing in the morning, the snow's really very crunchy. But if the sun's out, it's gloriously beautiful because the snow is just glistening with the, uh, the, 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 with all the little bits of ice on the surface of the snow from where the water, where it had melted the previous day. And that's what, uh, that's what it's looking like here for Jesus. Um, uh, it is, Jesus is glistening or, or sparkling, if you like. And it's brilliant. There is a brilliance about this. Um, Thomas Watson, a guy, said, uh, said this, the sight of God's glory humbles, the stars vanish when the sun appears. Or apparently, I've never seen this myself, but uh, how do you tell the difference between real diamonds and fake ones? 
Well, apparently you put them in, you, you show them under, under an x-ray and, uh, and real diamonds glisten under an x-ray and false ones are dull. Always useful to know that, isn't it? But, uh, but this is like diamonds in an x-ray, glistening, sparkling there. So here Jesus is like a real diamond being x-rayed. And we're seeing the glory of God in Jesus. A guy called Charles Ryrie wrote this. What is the glory of God? It is the man- manifestation of any or all of his attributes. In other words, is it, it is the displaying of God to the world. Thus, things which glorify God are things which show the characteristics of his being to the world. And so here, as Jesus is transformed, transfigured, as he looks different, we're seeing the true nature of God. We're seeing God as he really is, if you like, unveiled for a few moments, his glory. Uh, The dictionary definition of glory is resplendent majesty, beauty or magnificence, a state of exaltation, the bliss and splendor of heaven. That's the Jesus that Peter, James, and John saw. They were like lifting the corner of, uh, uh, of a curtain and seeing a, a glimpse of the real Jesus. And then, verse 30, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared also in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Moses lived about 1,400 years before Jesus. Elijah, maybe about 900 years before Jesus. And here they are, alive with Jesus. Now, um, incidentally, that reassures us of the safety of all true believers, doesn't it? For those who've gone before us. Well, here are guys who died hundreds of years before, but they're alive with Jesus. And what a comfort and what an encouragement that is for those amongst us who have maybe lost loved ones, uh, perhaps just recently. And they're talking with Jesus. And um, actually, it literally says they're, they're talking at length with Jesus. This isn't just a little chat, like at the bus stop kind of thing. But this is a real long uh, conversation that they're having. But we'll come back to that in the second point. But why Moses and Elijah? I mean, why not David and Isaiah, for instance? They're two great Old Testament characters. Why not them? I think the reason is because Moses and Elijah together seem to sum up the Old Testament. Um, Because, uh, and, and also, there is a thing that Elijah was certainly expected to return and to mark the end times. But you've got Moses on the one hand, the lawgiver, and you've got Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets summing up the Old Testament. And also, uh, perhaps especially in, in Elijah saying, well, these last days are beginning here. And it's interesting that both Moses and Elijah spoke to God on mountaintops. Moses in Exodus 19, uh, in Exodus 32, for instance, Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 19. And with Elijah especially, um, if you looked at uh, just back into Luke chapter 9 and verses 8 and 19 there, or chapter 1 and verse 19, you're seeing that um, they're expecting Elijah to be around in the last days. If you like, he is a sign of the beginning of the last days. So Jesus, 
We're seeing here with Moses and Elijah, Jesus, the one who is fulfilling the law and fulfilling the prophets. Means Jesus uh, is here and he's seeing the beginning of the last days. The last days instantly that we are still in now. The last days between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. They are days of urgency, days of expectation, days when people must know about the gospel of Jesus, days when people need to hear the message of Jesus' death and resurrection, days when we need to be ready for Jesus' return at any time. We're in the last days which are no time for putting our feet up and just enjoying the ride. These last days are days of, should be, days of urgent mission and days of urgent expectation for Jesus to return. So the transfiguration of Jesus here, Moses and Elijah, is telling us this is the reality of Jesus. And amongst that, we're seeing that the last days have begun. And then there's the cloud. So you see in them, uh, there's a bit of confusion. So verse 33, for instance, as the men were leaving uh, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. Well, it is a bit confusing, isn't it? That hasn't happened to anyone down human history there in that way like that. So, And then while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. They were afraid as they entered the clouds. That was all rather scary for Peter, James, and John, wasn't it? There have been clouds before in the Bible um, representing God's presence. So, for instance, in, in Exodus chapter 13, God appeared leading his people in a cloud during the day. This is saying, this is where God is. And if you're entering the crowd, the cloud, you're getting into the presence of God. And surely we know, don't we, that you don't get into the presence of God and survive. That's why they were afraid when they went into the cloud there. And uh, uh, the cloud is there to protect people. So they can't actually quite see the full glory of God. They were to be incinerated. But Jesus reflects the glory of God. And so do Moses and Elijah. So what is your view of Jesus as you see him here? You see him transfigured there with Moses and Elijah. What is your view of him now? How has that grown this evening? Someone wrote this. Jesus Christ is the meeting place of eternity and time. The joining of deity and humanity. The junction of heaven and earth. You see him as glorious. Like a diamond sparkling in the sunshine. Now, of course, on earth, his glory was veiled most of the time. Here, on that mountain, at that time, the veil was just lifted just a teeny bit. And of course, actually, as we look forward to heaven... There won't be a veil. There will be no need of a veil because we will have our sins utterly and totally and completely resolved, removed, gone forever. So there will be no fear as we can be with him in glory forever. And we would do well 
to think of him as he is now, right now, risen, ascended, glorified for all eternity. That's the reality of Jesus now, to be worshipped and adored in all his glory. And of course, that's what we do as the assembly of God's people. That's what we've been doing tonight. Matt and Kathy can sing for us this evening. But of course, we can only um, sing extremely quietly or not, preferably, uh, behind our masks. But we can still worship God. Because it's in your hearts where it matters. And we can worship God as his gathered people here today. And we've been doing that as his people here in this building. And that's a glorious thing to be involved with. And you've been doing it, I'm sure, at home online and being able to sing your hearts out. And one day we trust and hope and pray we'll all be able to be singing in here uh, together. And we really long and pray for that day when we can be fully, properly back here together and glorifying and worshipping God together once more that's a long point glorious glorious jesus a reality the glorious lord jesus christ the second point is this suffering now um jesus is speaking at length with moses and elijah so, for instance, two men, Moses and Elijah, verse 30, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. And in verse 31, they spoke, or he spoke, about his departure. And that conversation is, uh, uh, is an extended conversation, and it's odd. It's odd on two counts. First, because Jesus talks about his departure. If you look at the bottom of our church Bibles in verse 31, uh, in the original, it's his exodus or his exit, which is a very strange way to talk about your death. The second thing, which is odd, it talks about his exit, his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment. Whoever talked about their own death as bringing it to fulfillment? Well, Jesus did. But it is a very strange way to talk about your death. And, uh, and it's clearly important, isn't it? Otherwise, that wouldn't be the one subject of conversation which we have noted here that he was talking about with Moses and Elijah. And Jesus' death was an exodus. And 1,400 years before Jesus lived, there was an exodus then. There was an exit from Egypt, a rescue from slavery. And Jesus' death does exactly the same thing. An opportunity for us, through his death, for us to us, for us to exit our old existence. It's an opportunity to be rescued from our old rebellious life and to begin a new life with God. And Jesus made that possible as he died for us, as he suffered for us in our place, on our behalf, taking the punishment in his own body that we deserved. 
So Jesus' death achieved our rescue. It achieved our salvation. If you like, it brought to fulfillment our rescue, our salvation. Extraordinary. An extraordinary thing. Simply wonderful. Go and chew that over. Read about it. Give Jesus humble thanks and praise that Jesus' death brought to fulfillment our salvation, our rescue, our eternity. It achieved it for us. Take a window moment. Why not take a window moment? A window moment, you know, where you just stand and stare out of the window, but with purpose. As you're considering something extraordinary, that Jesus' death brought to fulfillment our salvation. It was a glorious moment on that cross. It looked desperate. It looked awful. It was awful. But it was a glorious moment as Jesus suffered and died for us, for you and for me. And then the third thing we see um, is Jesus, um, uh, who is a speaking Lord. Now look at verse 35. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is God the Father. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. A striking parallel there with actually the words spoken at Jesus' baptism. And the father says, simply listen to him. Listen to him. And then they found, verse 36, as soon as the voice had spoken, they, they found that Jesus was alert, was alone. A few years ago, there was an adverse on American television, uh, and it started off just with a, a crowd watching a tennis match. And you know what happens if you're on the sidelines watching a tennis match. You're going like this, aren't you? And the whole crowd doing, were doing this, side to side to side to side to side. And then the one man in the crowd turned to his friend and said, um, my brother works for E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says... And then suddenly every voice, every every uh, head in the crowd, which has been going doom, 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 and they just go boom, looking straight down and look and leaning in and listening to what's uh, going to be said next. And then the closing line in this advert is this: When E. F. Hutton talks, everybody listens. In this world. That's not the case for Jesus, is it? People don't much listen to Jesus. Christians don't much listen to Jesus, to be honest, do we? But it should be the case for the church, for God's people, shouldn't it? That we listen to him. That means we hear what he says and we want to put it into practice. We want to do what he says. And how do we hear what he says? When well, this is this is a straight command, isn't it? Something that we we would do well to do. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. One of the things that we try and do um, uh, regularly, uh, a lot of the time at BH, is to preach through gospels. 
Because it's there we find out more of Jesus. There we find out more about his words. There it is, it is direct and obvious that we can hear, listen to him. And that's what we need to do. God the Father says, listen to my son. Listen to him. How can we do that best? Have you just sat down and read through a gospel recently? Ever? I mean, it doesn't take that long. If you're going to read it like a, a normal kind of book you might read, for instance, that would be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? But just generally speaking, in terms of listening to God, in terms of, I mean, it's very encouraging to see a number of folks taking, taking notes. I, I want to take notes, partly because I, I need to do some feedback to folks who are doing stuff up front. But mainly, actually, because it helps me concentrate. It's the way my mind works. Maybe you work in a different way. I'm not saying everyone has to take notes, but uh, if that helps you, why not? And there are, well, it's good too, isn't it, to get to places where we take the Bible seriously, like in our small groups, for instance, that we would actually uh, bring a Bible. There are Bibles available at, at the back of church here, and they're all COVID secure and all the rest of it. But, uh, um, but do bring a Bible so that we can clearly know what is uh, and read and understand and follow what is being said uh, in our in our sermons so listen to jesus hear what he says and do it and do it and do it and do it so jesus the reality glorious suffering speaking god that is our final point. Just, just briefly, but it kind of sums up the whole thing, doesn't it? Jesus, glorious, suffering, speaking God. So let's just pull back from this now. Let's look at this whole of the transfiguration of what is going on. What are we seeing here? What is being revealed? The answer is Jesus, the glory of God. We're seeing Jesus as he really was and he, as he really is now. And in Jesus, we have God revealing himself to us, God speaking to us, God who came to suffer for us, and above all, Jesus in all his glory. It is an extraordinary combination, isn't it? Because you've got on the one hand, Jesus in his glory, and what are they talking about? Jesus and his suffering. You've got the glorious Jesus and they know he's going to his suffering for you and for me. Which, of course, John's gospel, Jesus says, that is now this the Son of Man glorified when he goes to his suffering. John always seems to have those penetrating insights, doesn't he? And here we see Jesus, the reality, in all of his glory. We see Jesus glorious suffering speaking god our wonderful wonderful lord jesus let's pray lord jesus thank you for this this simply extraordinary uh, insight that peter james and john were were given 
this extraordinary, extra special revelation that they were given by you. Thank you, it's been recorded for us. And we feel like we're on holy ground. And Lord, there is that one command, listen to him. We pray you'd help us to do that. For the sake and for the glory of our wonderful Lord Jesus. Amen.